the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. There are more than 20,000 cryptocurrencies, all of them spawns of the original, Bitcoin. But many people confuse these cryptos with Bitcoin on the basis that they are somehow the same and that cryptography and blockchain are somewhere involved. Bitcoin is not the same as all other cryptos, and to confuse them is to make a fatal mistake. For a start, Bitcoin was developed as sound money that cannot be inflated away, as is the case with fiat currency. Bitcoin's scarcity is hard-coded into its design. There will never be more than 21 million coins in issue, and even if founder Satoshi Nakamoto returned and decided he wanted to change the design, there's nothing he can do about that. Now, altcoins, in other words, all cryptos other than Bitcoin, are not sound money. And that's not my opinion. That's the opinion of investment research analyst Nick Giambruno, who writes regularly for FinancialUnderground.com and InternationalMan.com. And it's a great pleasure to have you, Nick, on the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. I believe you're joining us from Florida. First time that we've spoken, and I'd urge people to actually go over and read your writings at financialunderground.com and internationalman.com. Uh, one article you wrote recently that really kind of got me all excited and worked up was entitled Three Reasons Why You Should Stick to Bitcoin Only. Can you take us through your thesis here? Because a lot of people may be with you 95% of the way, but perhaps part ways with you when it comes to investing in Ethereum or Cardano. They'd be very attached to some of these larger altcoins. So what's your thesis there? Why people should stick to Bitcoin only? Sure. Well, uh, first of all, uh, great to be with you and, and thank you for having me. Um, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's tricky because when you look at this cryptocurrency space, there's over 20,000 of them and people... Uh, just uh, assume it's another asset class with a lot of pieces to it, like stocks or bonds. And, uh, the, you know, they're just, it's just a new asset class and there's different uh, assets within the asset class. And I don't think that's correct. I think that's a very big misconception. And I, uh, the way I would walk people through my thinking, which, uh, you know, it took me years to come to this conclusion of research and uh, just refining my thinking. It's just, let's start from the basics. Uh, what are these? What what are what are you putting your money into? Is it money? Is it equity? Is it something else? Um, and I would argue that Bitcoin is the only one that qualifies as good money. I mean, anybody can use anything as money. I mean, uh, anything can be used as money. Money is just something that is simply used to store value and exchange value. People have used salt as money. They've used seashells as money. They've used glass beads as money. In prison, they use cigarettes as money, gold and silver, of course. It's just something that stores and exchanges value. It's, it's actually not that complicated as a lot of people want you to, you know, trick you into thinking, you know, these uh, mainstream economists and so forth. So what are, why is Bitcoin the only one that is suitable as good money? Well, simply put, it's the only one that nobody can change. Nobody can change Bitcoin. As, as you mentioned, uh, not Elon Musk, not Jeff Bezos, not the Chinese government, the U.S. government, or any of these entities combined, not even if Satoshi Nakamoto came back, could he change Bitcoin? And the fact that nobody can change Bitcoin is what gives its uh, monetary policy credibility uh, and makes it neutral and apolitical. Now, that is not true uh, for every other cryptocurrency. For example, the Ethereum uh, people, they change their monetary policy about as often as the Federal Reserve. 
Uh, so their monetary policy, even though it may temporarily be uh, less inflationary than Bitcoin's, has no credibility because what will it be two years from now, five years from now? It'll be whatever the developers and community decide to change it. So that's why that it does not have any credibility there. And then this theme is true for basically every other cryptocurrency. And you can look at this um, in, in a simple way because if a, if a cryptocurrency is performing hard forks, which are mandatory uh drastic changes to the protocol if if this if somebody is doing this that means somebody is in charge somebody is altering the cryptocurrency in a way uh that they don't for bitcoin bitcoin uh does not have hard forks and well first of all let me just take a step back anybody can hard fork any cryptocurrency anytime they want the sort the code is open source and you can just step back Take that open source code and make the changes you like. But that doesn't mean people will follow it. So, yes, people have hard forked Bitcoin, but it hasn't changed Bitcoin. That's the key difference is that, yes, somebody's tried to hard fork Bitcoin. Anybody could hard fork Bitcoin. I could hard fork Bitcoin and make it 22 million instead of 21 million. I could do that in two minutes. Uh, but that, that that didn't change Bitcoin. That's the difference with the other cryptocurrencies is that when there are hard forks, it does change those cryptocurrencies. So uh, and a hard fork is not a small thing. It's not trivial. It's a paramount thing. And I always tell people, imagine if somebody could hard fork gold, the physical commodity gold. Imagine if there was a group of people that could get together and change the essential attributes of gold, make a gold hard fork, you know, kind of a, you know, taking the concept of hard fork to the, the physical realm, just to kind of illustrate the concept. You know, so, suppose there is a gold cartel. They could change the color of gold from a yellow metal to a brown metal and then make it from a solid to a liquid at, at room temperature. And so what you they, they decided, okay, in two weeks, we're going to hard fork gold to have these characteristics. You have to come and exchange your old yellow physical metal gold at our exclusive uh, avenues of the gold cartel, and we'll give you the new gold 2.0 after we've hard forked gold. And after the hard fork, your old gold is not is not valid. It's not gold anymore because now gold 2.0 after our hard fork is gold. Now, gold have, would gold's monetary properties have any credibility if somebody could hard fork gold? No, they wouldn't. It would be uh, it would not have any monetary credibility. And the same is true of other assets. So that's how I look at hard forks. And every other cryptocurrency does hard forks, except Bitcoin. And where you can see this is, and it's not possible too, because what we see is um, it, in the 2017 block size wars, which was the most uh, prominent example, where you had a majority of the miners, all almost all of these influential insiders, large holders, uh, influencers, corporations, they all got together and they tried to ram through a hard fork in Bitcoin. And it was a miserable failure. Uh, they failed. They tried to increase the block size, which was a stupid move anyways. Uh, in any case, they failed. And that was a real illustration that nobody controls Bitcoin, not even its most influential insiders, the miners and the largest holders. And that's when, to me, uh, it really was a uh, the that that was proof that the monetary policy had credibility. I've not seen any other cryptocurrency uh, stand up to that kind of uh, of a challenge with that much power behind it and then rejecting the change. So that is what makes Bitcoin suitable as as uh, as as money because nobody can change it. Um, and that's why, in my view, any other cryptocurrency, which is to say basically all of them uh, who perform hard forks, their monetary policies don't have any credibility. I mean, It'll just be whatever the developers and the community decide to change. I mean, they may not want to change the, mon the money supply at the moment, but they can. They have the ability to do. 
uh, through the hard fork mechanism. So I always say, what you know, just think of it like this: what is what is Bitcoin's uh, supply going to be five years from now? Uh, it'll be roughly twenty million two hundred ninety thousand Bitcoin. I can tell you that with precision because I have very high confidence that nobody is going to hard fork Bitcoin and change the monetary policy. What is going to be the the supply of any other um, altcoin five years from now? I don't think anybody can tell you with with much confidence what that will be. And I think that really it illustrates uh, why these things have uh, artificial scarcity. Uh, and artificial scarcity is not an attractive uh, monetary attribute. Bitcoin has genuine scarcity. So that is why I view Bitcoin as money, as good money. I guess anything can be money. You can use suboptimal things as money. Anybody can. But Bitcoin is the only one suitable as good money. And uh, none of the other ones are. So if I don't consider that money. Let's run down to the next thing. Are they equity? Uh, no, they're not equity. What is equity? Equity is a legal ownership stake or a legal claim on assets or cash flow of a business or or a property. If you have a legal claim of ownership of something, uh, but that's not what all coins are. All coins don't give you a legal claim to ownership. They, it would be like mistaking if you like go to the arcade and you buy arcade tokens. Uh, you would be like thinking you own equity in the arcade business when you really just own the token of the business. So they're not equity at all, uh, and they're not money. So what are they? They're tokens, and uh, that's why I would put them in the category of tokens. And you have to ask yourself, what is a token? What are the characteristics of a token? Well, think of arcade tokens or frequent flyer miles. These are examples of tokens. They're issued by a centralized issuer. They have potentially unlimited supply. I, and they give you no ownership benefits or legal real ownership uh, stake. Uh, so this is how I classified how I would look at these things and how I uh, make Bitcoin different. I know it's kind of a long-winded answer, but it, it, it really does need uh, proper fleshing out. And we can go deeper into this too, but that's just kind of in a nutshell of how I view these things. Yeah, you, you mentioned that uh, there's a common mistake that people make with altcoins they regard them as an asset class. And this, of course, is something that regulators worldwide are trying to get their minds around. What are these things? What is this new uh, beast that has just appeared on the investment horizon? So the regulators typically, particularly in the US, they come to the view that Bitcoin is a commodity while altcoins are securities. Why are they securities? Well, I think one of the primary reasons is because they have issuers. You argue that when you buy altcoins, you're getting the, the worst of both worlds. Maybe just explain what you mean by that. Yes. Uh, so as I mentioned before, I don't think they're not equity. I mean, that's not my opinion. They are flatly not equity. It's a fact. Uh, so yes, but they are nonetheless categorized, uh, going to be categorized by governments, prominently the U.S. government, as securities. Now, security does not mean equity. Uh, you can have something that's a security that's not an equity. That doesn't give you ownership uh, stake, a real ownership stake or claim. Um, and that is because uh, these uh, altcoins probably do fall under the definition of a security because they have issuers. Uh, that doesn't mean that you have a legal claim. So you really, you get the worst of both worlds. You get the legal and regulatory risk of owning a potentially unregistered security without any ownership stake or any ownership claim that is real, that you can actually have a legally binding uh, claim on something. So, I mean, yes, I mean, imagine if corporations could sell tokens instead of shares and raise money that way. I'm sure they would love to because they don't have to give up any real ownership stake and they can sell these tokens to people. Um, so I think that's, nonetheless, they are securities. The, the security does not mean it is equity. It's a, security is a very large umbrella term of which equity is a 
part of that, but a, it's a larger umbrella term. So just because they're deemed securities does not mean you have an ownership stake. And I think that's why you get the worst of both worlds. But I think it also illustrates another point. Most of these altcoins wouldn't exist, would cease to exist if, if regulators, if the US government and other regulators went after them, they wouldn't exist because they have issuers and those issuers can be thrown in jail and they can be charged and so forth. Um, so I don't think they're really decentralized. This is all a theater. They're not really decentralized on, on, on also the technical level, but certainly not on the practical level with having founders and issuers. If something has an issuer, how in the heck can that be considered decentralized? So these are very important points. And I think um, people need to think through this clearly and not just take these uh, claims of decentralization at face value. Okay. Now, I, I guess in light of that, you're not a big fan of NFTs, non-fungible tokens. Uh, no. Well, what are you buying with NFTs? You know, even uh, let's just put aside the problems I've said with altcoins. They're not inscribed on the actual blockchains. Uh, not really. I mean, you get like a hash of a link on, um, on IPFS that will show you an image. That, that doesn't sound, I mean, a lot of these people who are buying these NFTs think that they're buying something that's immutably inscribed on the blockchain, whatever, you know, that sounds kind of nebulous and it is nebulous. That's not what they're getting. They're getting uh, a hash of a link on IPFS to an, a JPEG. That's not the same as what a lot of people are thinking. So no, I'm not a fan of it. And look, I'm not a fan of, of, of government regulation. I, I think I, I, I'm in favor of a totally free market. Uh, so I don't want governments... I want people to make their own, have the freedom to invest in what they what they want to. Um, I just wouldn't recommend they look at these these kinds of things. I mean, having followed your research for a number of years, I know that you you're very big on Bitcoin. You're very big on gold and silver as well. Um, and also, I think you've got a, a bit of an affinity there for for mining, um, which is another area that I'm pretty keen on too. But I'd like to find out how did you get into investment, this investment space, investment research space? Uh, well, I worked for uh, many years over, uh, well over a decade with a uh, legendary investor and speculator, Doug Casey, and um, have been uh, working closely with him. And that's how I originally got into this space and have uh, branched off and done my, started my own uh, financial publishing uh, platform, which is the Financial Underground. Uh, but I started with Doug Casey and, and really learned a lot from him um, about gold, money, mining, and, and so forth. And had a chance to travel the world and, and see some interesting places and, and learn about um, some interesting things. But that is also why I'm interested in Bitcoin, because I think money is money. Uh, you know, like I was saying, something just something that is used to start exchange value. I think this is probably the most misunderstood thing around all the way around the world, because I think people are basically uh, tricked into using suboptimal things as money, namely uh, government fiat currencies, which are a ridiculous form of money. Nonetheless, people use it, uh, but you don't need to, you, you don't need to have a government tell you what is the best thing for storing and exchanging value. It's, it's ridiculous. It sounds like, uh, you know, something out of the Soviet Union. Um, you know, you'd ask people in the Soviet Union, where do cars come from or where do shoes come from? They're like, oh, the government makes the cars. The government makes the shoes. Who could make the shoes? Who could make the cars? And it's exactly the same kind of mentality. You ask the average person, where does money come from? Oh, it comes from the government. Who could make money but the government? And it's an enormous um, uh, an enormous distortion in what the market is because money is a huge part of the market. It's the half of every transaction. And so I think this is an enormous distortion in the world. So I look at 
what I consider to be real monetary assets, gold and Bitcoin at the top of that list. And uh, as this distortion is unwind, it unwinds, I think there's going to be some incredible, um, you know, investment opportunities in, in real money, but also not just investment opportunities, but, you know, just to, just to save. I mean, saving money has become hard because of all of this rampant currency debasement. So I think it's very important that people just go understand the basics of this stuff. And it's really, as I said, it's not that hard to uh, to wrap your mind around. You don't need a PhD in economics. Actually, I think that would hurt your understanding to have a conventional PhD in this stuff. So um, that's kind of how I view the uh, the overall uh, space with gold, Bitcoin, and mining. Um, uh, Doug Casey, of course, I follow his writings as well. Um, fascinating intellect. I understand he lives in Argentina. Yeah, he splits his time between various places, Argentina and other places, yeah. I mean, people might find Argentina an, an odd place. I just see that they have raised their interest rates to 97%. I think people might be staggered by that. Um, and as a, as a free market uh, lover, to be living in a place which for that kind of currency debasement, uh, I guess it's like South Africa where, you know, people if I can use the term, disintermediate the government. You know, they, they, they no longer rely on the government for power. They provide their own uh, if they can afford it. They no longer rely on government for police services. They provide their own through private security and, and education and health and so on. Is this kind of the way things are going, you see, in, in countries which have really just mismanaged their money, their monetary system, like Argentina and South Africa? Also like South Africa, because we our inflation is much less, but uh, Argentina is a clear case. Yes, and uh, what what you see in Argentina and other places is a healthy and robust uh, underground economy. And I don't even I, I don't like using derogatory terms underground or black market. It's not. It's the real economy that is unfettered by uh, these thieving <clears throat> excuse me thieving bureaucrats. Uh, so what you see in Argentina is it has a parallel financial system, a parallel economy that is huge. Um, nobody knows exactly how big it is, but it's. Uh, it, it's it's very large, um, and you get that whenever you have uh, these kinds of policies, which is to say almost everywhere, everywhere is going to be suffering from this kind of currency debasement, over-regulation, over-taxation, uh, and, and, and uh, the beauty of it is is that the market is always more powerful than uh, politicians, so it always finds a way. It's like water. when You, you know, water always finds a way. Um, and it's the same thing with the market. That's a, you, you see these in other pl in other places too, Argentina, Lebanon. So yeah, there's a flip side to it. Yeah, these places are basket cases from from the people who who run them. But uh, they they create the conditions for people. People are always going to want to interact with each other and exchange value in some way, and that always finds a way, uh, which is which is which is encouraging. Financialunderground.com, which is your website, it, it does seem like a survivalist guide to investment. You're big on gold, commodities, and Bitcoin. And there is a sense in much of your research and your writing that we're nearing some sort of a cliff with the current financial system, and that in the end, all fiat systems implode through money, monetary debasement. Uh, I don't think anybody would argue that the value of fiat money is falling at an accelerating rate, but in your opinion, how bad are things? Are we really on the edge of this cliff right now? Well, I think it is. Uh, and people have been saying this obviously for decades, but this this time is different. And I hate to sound cliche, but it really is in the sense that two things have uh, upheld the fiat system, which is based on the dollar 
uh, the fiat system was really born. Well, I mean, it really came into being when Nixon severed the last tie to gold in the early 1970s and uh, made an agreement with the Saudis to do this petrodollar system. That is obviously breaking down. The U.S. is also getting to the point where uh, the interest payments on the debt are overtaking almost everything in the budget. I think it's on pace, the interest expense is on pace to overtake the Department of Defense budget. And what can they do? They, what, yeah, they're raising interest rates to combat inflation, uh, and that is causing the interest expense to go up and gobble up everything else in the budget. So they're effectively going to have to print money to pay the interest expense. I mean, it's a Ponzi scheme, and it's the Ponzi scheme is reaching its end. That was not the case in, say, the 1980s when they rose the interest rate, rose interest rates to fight inflation. When Volcker did that, they could afford the higher interest expense at that time because the debt burden was much lower. This time, the debt burden is way, way, it's, it's not even the same. You can't even compare it. It's a totally different situation. So that is why it is different, and I think they are running out of, out of uh, runway here. In any case, I don't want to hold fiat currency. Uh, it's... It's it's slave money, frankly. Uh, it's money that is it's it's a very inferior form of money that you are coerced into using by corrupt politicians. I always just say, like you know, imagine if there was like Al Capone or some gangster. You lived in a neighborhood, and he had all his goons with guns all over the place, and he made everybody use pieces of paper with Al Capone's signature on it as money. And he, if you had to use Al, the little pieces of paper with Al Capone's signature as money, and if you didn't. He would arrest you, he would throw you in jail, he would threaten violence and use violence against you. Uh, this is exactly what governments are doing with fiat currency everywhere in the world. They're forcing a suboptimal product on the market through coercion. It's a horrible thing. So yeah, the sooner it collapses, the better, in my opinion. And of course, I mean, there are precedents for this in the not-too-distant past. Um, with the Weimar Republic, Germany, for example, when they had hyperinflation, um, that was exactly what we're talking about here. Zimbabwe, where they had to dollarize their economy, they've introduced a, a sort of a hybrid version um, of, of the local currency again. Still, de you know, it's devalued at the rate of about a hundred percent a year. Wherever this happens, there, there is a temptation for governments just to to fiddle with the with the valuations, and it it ends up collapsing, right? Well, of course. I mean, fiat currency is always going to get debased over the long term. I mean, what do you expect when you put people, humans, in charge? It's 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 not that hard to figure out. I mean, if you have a money that somebody else can make with no effort, what do you think they're going to do? <laughs> they're going to do that over the long run. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I don't I don't view it at. You'd be a have to be a fool to put your. I mean, the U.S. dollar is the best of the fiat currencies, and it's junk. It's absolute garbage, uh, but it's still the best of all the fiat currencies. So you'd have to just be a fool to put your long-term life savings in these things. Yeah, I mean, all over Africa, if you look at at Malawi last year, they uh, the 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 is the currency in Malawi. It was devalued by twenty six percent. Uh, the Naira in Nigeria, so they're now restricting your access to uh, to cash, and they're trying to push everybody onto the e-Naira, which is the central bank digital currency. But in all these countries in Africa, which have got very weak uh, local currencies, there is this parallel market where people really are beginning to understand things like Bitcoin, and there's peer-to-peer -peer exchanges where they, even where they they're prohibited from getting access to sound money. They're still managing to do it somehow. 
and paying massive premiums. Sometimes the premiums on Bitcoin in Nigeria are, are 40%, which tells you that people sort of understand that I'm prepared to pay that premium, but I, I want to I want to get out of this uh, this fiat system as, as quickly as possible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, people always are, are going to find a way. I just think, you know, the Bitcoin is very new. It's very new uh, and it's very misunderstood. So I think it will take time. But I think uh, one thing you can bet on, and if you look at history, if you uh, read the Bitcoin standard by Saifedean Amos, who uh, meticulously documents this, is that the history of money is the history of hard money winning. Uh, over time. And what that means is, and you people think, oh, hard money, it has to be physical, like a gold coin. It's not what hard money means. It means hard to produce. The hardest money to produce is the one that wins over time. And uh, I think you clearly saw that with gold. And now you see that with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is hard to produce, genuinely hard to produce because nobody can uh, hard fork it and change the essential attributes of it, like its supply. So it is, has genuine hardness. Um, so I, I, that's what I, I think that's a good way to look at it. And, um, but people have been used, this fiat system has lasted a lot longer than I think most people, uh, would have expected. Um, so people are not thinking the average person doesn't really get this because it's been so far removed. Gold has been so far removed. Bitcoin is new. It's, it's got, you know, it looks complicated because of all this technical stuff. Uh, nonetheless, it doesn't matter. Those the economic reality of the harder money is going to assert itself, and I think that's something uh, people can bet on. Do you think Bitcoin can unseat gold as a store of value? Uh, possibly, it possibly can. It's uh, it will take time. Uh, gold has established itself over thousands of years, but if you look at the key attributes of gold, I, I condense it down to this. Uh, I, I forget who said it, but it's it's an excellent way to put it. Bitcoin is harder than gold and faster than fiat, which makes it a superior monetary technology. Uh, Bitcoin hardness can actually be measured. The hard to produce can actually be measured. Uh, it's the new annual supply growth or the stock to flow in, uh, ratio, which at, measures how much new supply is added each year relative to existing stockpiles. It's a measure of how easily you can debase something. And gold has had the highest stock to flow ratio, which means it's the hardest commodity to debase, which has made it the best form of money. Um, that's a little bit different than uh, scarcity. People conflate scarcity and hardness, and it's not quite the same thing. They're related, but they're not the same. So, for example, there's, platinum is scarcer than gold. There's fewer ounces of platinum in the world than there are ounces of gold. So wouldn't platinum be a better money than gold? And the answer is no. The reason for that is, is because new platinum production basically is equal or more to the existing platinum supplies, which means that the platinum value of platinum is heavily dependent on annual production and annual supply demand. It's not a very good monetary attribute to have something that is held hostage to the whims of ever-changing industrial conditions. Gold, on the other hand, the annual production of gold is about 1.7% of the overall stockpiles, which is trivial, essentially. That's why gold, even though it's not as scarce as platinum, is a better money than platinum because nobody can artificially just ramp up gold production. And even if they, they did, it's not, it's, it's trivial. It's 1.7% of the overall supply. Bitcoin has the same attribute, except it gets increasingly harder over time uh, through the halvings. So right now it has about an equal hardness of gold. In about a year, it will be twice as hard as gold, which is astounding. Uh, it's something the world has never seen before. So it's harder than gold. It's harder to produce than gold. 
the big limit of gold is that it was uh, physical. And in order to really make it work as a medium of exchange, it needed to be centralized into banks and central banks and then have promissory notes issued on top of that to really make it usable as a, as a money and to send it around. Uh, that, that was a problem with gold because that led to the centralization of gold. Um, so gold is not very fast. If you want to send a value, it's not very fast to send a gold bar from New York to Beijing. Uh, Bitcoin, and that's how the fiat, that, that's what gave, op, cracked open the door to the fiat system, is that gold's, uh, that limitation of gold allowed uh, for promissory notes to be built on top of gold. And then eventually they just took the gold away and kept the promissory notes, which were a promise for nothing now. And then that's fiat. So that's how fiat came into place uh, because of that limitation. But Bitcoin doesn't have that limitation. Bitcoin, you can send a uh, billion dollars of bit worth of Bitcoin from New York to Beijing in 10 minutes. And it's uh, verifiable. You don't need to melt down like you do with gold uh, and see that it's authentic. You can verify it. So yeah, in terms of monetary attributes, Bitcoin has Bitcoin could is better in a lot of ways than gold. It's better at gold than being gold. So that's going to take some time for people to realize. They haven't discovered it. Not a lot of people have this. We're at a point where very, very few people understand Bitcoin and even fewer understand what I'm saying right now about these monetary attributes. But I think they will over time. I think the the economic uh, reality of, of Bitcoin will assert itself. So I think, yes, over time, it, it has the potential uh, to do it. Yeah. I mean, you talk about the stock to flow ratio and it's about equal between gold and Bitcoin at the moment, but with the halving coming up in 2024, and I think the, the, the Bitcoin stock to flow ratio, in other words, the new Bitcoin uh, added to the existing stock will drop to less than 1%. Am I correct? Yeah, it should. I mean, it's about, I, th I think it's about equal to gold right now, which would make it about 1.7, 1.6%-ish. I, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it's in that range. And yes, if it gets cut in half, that will put it less than 1%. It'll get cut in half again four years later, and that'll bring it less than half of a percent. So it's ever increasing, decreasing, I'm sorry, uh, towards 21 million in the year 2140. That is certainty. We know what Bitcoin's supply is in monetary. I mean, it's it, we've never had a monetary asset with this much certainty. And that certainty, the, the big difference is between Bitcoin and the other cryptos, like I was saying, is that that certainty has credibility. Um, you can, that has real credibility that the other Crypto asset, altcoins, they don't have credibility of what their supply is going to be five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years. You don't know that you could hard fork it at, at basically any time, you know, to change any parameter. A hard fork is a very, very drastic thing. Um, so that would, as I, I think it's it's easy to, a good way to think of it, like I said before, is to think if you, somebody could hard fork gold, that's how you should think of these things. I mean, that really should destroy the credibility of of the the monetary supply and, and policy of these other altcoins, um, the fact that they do all these hard forks um, and they they are successful. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the way I see it. It'll be very interesting to play out because you have this trend of this new monetary asset that's arguably the best form of money that mankind has ever known. At the same time, the fiat system is blowing up. It's going to be, I mean, get the popcorn out. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun, uh, not fun, but it's going to be interesting to watch. And just talk about stocks, which is another thing that you, you do talk about in your analysis and research as well. I mean, conventional market analysis looks at relative valuations 
And there are some compelling arguments to be made for buying undervalued companies or turnaround situations. Uh, do you agree, uh, or are we, we we're looking at you know all all ships sinking together? If we, if we're expecting a blow up of the of the fiat currency system, where does one put one's investments? Yeah, it's it's tricky. I mean, you're going to have to be nimble. Uh, I think stocks have a, a place, but they've been grossly overvalued. Uh, you know, I mean, even with the recent correction, it's they're still grossly overvalued. Uh, so it's it's tricky because when you have all this fake money getting pumped into the system, it really distorts these markets and measures of value. Um, so it's it's very difficult. Uh, I would look at other situations. Look at Venezuela. Venezuela's had hyperinflation, and their stock market is booming. Now, whether that's outpaced the inflation, my guess is it probably has. Like, if you just took a general index of the Venezuelan companies, it. I don't know. I don't know the answer, but I think generally, well-run businesses should outpace inflation. <laughs> they should. Um, but again, that's a, that's a tricky thing to do. Um, it depends what you want to do. If you just want to save money and hold money and not try to like earn a return, but just kind of keep what you have, then I would look at gold and Bitcoin over the long term. Obviously, Bitcoin is is very volatile, um, but you know it has a clear four year cycle, and there's rarely been an opportunity a time where Bitcoin, the Bitcoin price, excuse me, has been lower than it was four years ago. That very, very rare. I think it's happened a couple of times. So yes, it's volatile within four year periods, but over a long term, it's the volatility is your friend because it's volatility uh, volatility to the upside, uh, generally. Uh, so it depends what you want to do. It's yeah, it's going to be very hard to uh, invest and look at valuation metrics and traditional fundamental analysis in an environment where the it's 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 like trying to build a house with a, a measuring stick or a ruler where the ruler is constantly changing. How big is a centimeter? How big is a meter? It's That's constantly changing. That's what's happening with fiat money. When you have all these distortions in fiat money, how the heck do you invest or make a fi financial analysis of a company where the money is broken? It's It's very hard. Yeah. I mean, that's rather like the Zimbabwe stock exchange. You mentioned Venezuela. Um, the Zimbabwe stock exchange has been a actually a great place to invest but really what what you're doing is you're just kind of beating the the rate of inflation which is being experienced by the consumer in those countries um and i imagine it's, it's pretty much the same in lebanon and, and in venezuela as well uh, nick a final question here on stable coins do, do you see a use case for them yes is it better than the lebanese lira yes uh is it the best thing that you can do for money no, it's not. So it's a it's a step in the right direction, but uh, it's not the end all be all. I'm not, you know. Look, it's it's good for people in these developing countries that have no access to other uh, fiat currencies. So if you need a fiat currency, yes, it's it's a useful thing. And in and in relation to Bitcoin, you'll soon be able to issue stable coins on Bitcoin on the Lightning Network through something called Taro. So rather than putting you know these things on these unstable um, altcoin networks, people will be able to do it there. But in any case, you're still just having a representation of fiat currency, which is not good in any case. Uh, the dollar, the euro, or whatever fiat current, quachas or pesos, these things are all junk. They're all garbage, frankly. So yes, it's it's yes, uh, having a tether is better than a quacha or a peso, but it's still the dollar and the dollar has all the problems that we've been talking about so 
hopefully, what I hope is that it will get people familiar with using this technology uh, and go to the one form of digital currency that cannot be debased, and that would be Bitcoin, and that would be a better thing for people to do. But as an interim step, sure. And like I said, I, I'm all for you know the free. I, I think that would happen in a free market too. But no, I yeah, I, I don't want governments to crack down on they probably will at some point I, I don't want that to happen but that's just reality uh so don't you know people can get rug pulled on stable coins we saw this with terra luna uh seen this this can easily happen so there's a very significant rug pull risk in addition to all the risks of fiat so yeah they're better than some fiat but it's not the end all be all Nick Gianbruno, we're going to leave it there. And again, I just urge everybody to go over to financialunderground.com where you can read some of Nick's research and you can also get him on internationalman.com. Nick, I want to thanks, thank you very much for coming on to the Money Web Crypto podcast. Fascinating discussion and we look forward to having you back again. Sounds great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.